Buffs live. What's up, boys? How's it going? College football is here, but Buffs football is not yet here. And I am in full on like hype about Buffs football mode. Like, I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care what anyone says. I'm excited. I'm ready. And I'm so, so happy to be in Folsom Field on Friday night. Like, I, I honestly can't focus on much else. Are we, we're approaching 48 hours away. Oh my. About 50, 50 and a half hours until we're all at Folsom Field yep. watching the Buffs. 48 hours away from me being drunk. <laughs> that long? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess we do have a exactly. golf tournament at AM. <laughs> yep. I, I have a hard time uh, mixing a lot of alcohol with intense competition. And it, although it's just a scramble, I take it very seriously. <laughs> so, like, I, I have a hard time getting drunk during those things because I want to win so bad. Exactly. It's a. It's about huh. managing that happy balance between feeling good and playing good, right? Yes, exactly. You just got to have enough to, like, not think about your shots before you hit them. Um, but I don't have to play football on Friday night. So for that, I can get, you know, exactly. I can go as far down that road as I need to. I know we've got such a big day planned. There's like drinking games starting at 1230. I've never gotten to go to Folsom as a fan. Oh, so this is my dude. first like game day Folsom experience. We're Apparently definitely to sitting together inside the stadium. Interesting. I think is that gonna, allowed? Yes, it is. Okay. I think you'll fit in just fine down there, though, Henry, as opposed to being up in the press box. I think... Yeah, where he doesn't fit in at all. <laughs> hey, I didn't say it. No. It's going to be fun, though. Because it, it, it's weird. Because at this point, like, those guys are all just, like, old friends. Like, you don't... Like, I, I used to talk to Brady, like, every other week, you know? And now it's like, ah, oh, there's Brady. I get to cheer for Brady. And so it's, like, a very natural transition to being a fan, I feel like. That's so true. I mean... Yeah. Um, I had heard rumors that you uh, were trying to go the other way, but I'm glad Lexi did the right thing. No, it's not that... I've been a little bit too realistic is been the vibe around here. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. Uh, realism, not welcome here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, um, we have TCU on the docket and there's a lot like, I don't know. I feel like, so Henry was telling me and Henry and Zach were telling me they were down in Broncos today and all of like the Broncos media was like, oh, like I'm hammering TCU minus 13 and really? a half or whatever. Yep. And I think it's just because like TCU to their credit, has built themselves a decent football brand over the last 10 or so years, um, which is crazy because, like, you think TCU, you think, like, good football team. For some reason, if you say it out loud, Texas Christian University, you're like, they should be beatable. Absolutely. (laughs) It was a – I guess I'm not going to say. Surprisingly recently, I found out that TCU is a Power 5 team now. I'm not going to put a date on it. So you you don't get to know, was it last week? Was it last year? Was it – you know, but – it was surprisingly recently. I was like, wait, really? Yeah, maybe a future conference opponent of the Colorado Buffaloes. Who's Absolutely. Uh, but so much just to say, I assume those people who are saying they're hammering the 13 and a half have not seen any TCU film. They did see the buffs last year, which is enough to worry someone about any line. But you have dove into the uh, TCU film, and I'm very curious to see what you learned from it. So um, starting off here... We have to mention that it's a new coaching staff. New head coach in Sonny Dykes coming from SMU and Cal. So assuming they're going to run some type of air raid offense, you'll probably see fast uh, fast pace, uh, no huddle, RPOs, deep shots. And then Joe Gillespie is the defensive coordinator. He was there last year. He is retained and is also the linebackers coach. Looks like they're going to be running some 3-3-5. They kind of had that 4-2-5, which is pretty interchangeable with the 3-3-5 mm-hmm. if you had the standing backer. 
So while it's going to be looking similar, it is something that you can't really go off of last year's film in terms of what they're going to bring into Boulder. Um, this is a fairly experienced team, though, returning on both sides. Uh, starting off with the quarterback, we've heard a bunch about the three quarterbacks being played. Of course, Max Duggan, the, the starter last year for the most most of the season, and then Chandler Morris, the Oklahoma transfer from two years ago, was the quarterback when TCU upset Baylor last season, and then Sam Jackson is the third. He is going to be... I talked to Parker yesterday of the Purple Theory podcast, or on Monday, I should say, and he said Sam Jackson's more of a goal line type of quarterback running package. He also has a cannon, though. Very raw. Potential impact players on offense. There's quite a few guys. Quentin Johnston, the wide receiver number one for TCU. This guy's an absolute animal. To put on any highlight, he is just a beast. Darius Davis, a speedy return guy, and then Tay Barber, who offers a lot of wiggle and juice out of the slot. They also have a dynamic backfield with Kendra Miller, Uh, Ability as a runner is pure, and he's also a great weapon in the passing game, especially in the screen game, so watch out for that. Uh, Emery DiMarcado, also at running back, a well-rounded player. And then get a load of this name, guys. The tight end for the TCU Horned Frogs, Jorquavius Spivey. How about that? Uh, Sick name. Big body playing tight end. He's a senior. This offensive line struggled quite a bit last season. There's a, a few transfers coming in. They've got a center from SMU, a guard from Arizona State and a tackle from UConn coming in. Defensively, this is a team that struggled to tackle and cover quite a bit all throughout 2021. Uh, they had an exodus of transfers along the defensive line, but leading sackman Dylan Horton returns. He had two sacks that contributed to TCU's upset in Baylor. Second leading sackman Jamoy Hodge also returns. Their leading tackler, D. Winters, returns at middle linebacker. And the secondary returns their two starting cornerbacks, Travius Hodges-Tomlinson, who led the team with seven pass breakups and two interceptions last year. On the opposite side, Noah Daniels at cornerback. And then, of course, Mark Perry coming in from CU to man up the safeties. So this is a team, a lot of experience, but we can't really you know, use the film as a tool as what we should expect this Friday. Well, I think you can in certain ways uh, in terms of just seeing the personnel and what they do well. So I guess my question for you would be, where is the biggest area to be worried about for CU and where is the biggest area? area for them to exploit i think you start in the secondary um you know i mentioned the three guys at wide receiver and the ability of the running backs in the passing game uh you got to be able to tackle all over the defense one that's a huge huge thing that needs to be accomplished on friday but just playing sound football in the secondary not blowing coverages not allowing quentin johnston to just go up and moss everyone i mean i'm sure you're going to see multiple defenders defending him on the cu side think you really have to take advantage of this offensive line you've mm-hmm. talked about all throughout the offseason how cu's front seven is still the strength of this football team that's the side that really needs to come out and play at a high level and take advantage of this fresh offensive line that hasn't played a lot together and get to the quarterback and create some turnovers yeah i mean there it is to me you got to make it like they're already an air raid team right or we yeah. expect them to be you have to make them one-dimensional in that regard because i you know i've i've seen a few times against Washington state in the Mike Leach days where you still end up, you end up leaning so far against the pass that they're able to gash you six, seven yards, just running inside zone out of the shotgun. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's for me is like, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not the number one thing because you know, they were mm-hmm. going to pass the ball a bunch. So you're going to have to get into coverage and do a good job there. But behind that, it's like at least the first three or four times they run, like if you get a nice stuff in there, make it more easy for them to say, yeah, we don't need to run the ball. Yeah. And there's, it's just so tough to say what exactly CU is going to do against that. 
you know, last year, especially in the beginning of the season when they were healthy, they were just running that cover one with a with a linebacker with Nate Landman just sitting in the middle playing his own right there. And it made sense because you have the corners just to play one-on-one across the board. And that became that defense's identity through the first half or so of the season. Now, though, you just don't know what the strengths are. Are they going to be going to more zone? Are they going to stick with being one of the most man-heavy teams in the Pac-12? And uh, that's that's one of the things I'm curious in. It's just what this defense looks like because they they keep changing things. You know, four three to or three four to four three potentially, and who knows what exactly is going to happen. We had the depth chart also come out um, on Saturday after we talked to Coach Carl Durrell. Henry, you saw some interesting things on this depth chart. I'll start off though. R.J. Sneed listed second on the wide receivers out of the slot. Of course, he's been working back from an injury, started back at practice last week, still kind of ramping up to get ready. What did you notice, though, Henry? I, I mean, we'll, we can stick right there. You know, Maurice Bell being the number one in the slot in front of him, that's intriguing. You know, he missed last season with the injury, uh, but he's an incredibly fast receiver, and if you play him in the slot, then that opens up so much down the field because, I mean, just the seam-ripping ability there. Uh, so, I mean, Snead being number two, that's interesting. Maybe that's injury. Who knows? But I might read more into Maurice Bell being number one. I think we're probably going to see a lot of him. What's crazy to me here is you look at Maurice Bell. R.J. Sneed is a fifth-year guy. I don't know why they don't have the five. Oh, because they have the GR for graduate. Um, So this is his fifth year. Maurice Bell, this is his fifth year. Daniel Arias, this is his fifth year. You go into the tight end room. Your number one option there, Brady Russell, this is his fifth year. And then at tailback, your number one running back is his fifth year. These are grown men. Like at this point, you are a man. These are twenty-four-year-olds in some cases. Twenty, you know, pushing twenty-five. <laughs> yeah. And so that usually, when college football teams surprise you, you go back and you look and you say, "Oh, well, they had grown men on their roster." Mm-hmm. And that, to me, when I look at that offense and I look at the weapons there, I say, "Man, these guys have seen." Every coverage that you get thrown at you in college football that you hadn't seen in high school, um, you know they've been a part of multiple different offenses. Their route tree should be very mature at this point. And if I'm looking for reasons to th- say this team outperforms what people expect, it's that it's mm-hmm. it's a young team on the whole. But when you look at your top contributors, especially on offense and in some cases on defense too you're looking you're saying oh those are fifth year guys these guys have been in college for a long long time and the other thing that stands out especially in those same groups is just how many names you know Mm -hmm. by the time i was a fifth year in college i had like a full-time job (laughs) i had real life responsibilities yeah i was like hell yeah like there's a big difference between being a freshman in college and your fifth year like you you really are a man by that time this is only half related but the san diego state quarterback went to montana there's somebody on the radio show saying like yeah you know we we asked him like you need help picking out an apartment. He's like, ah, no, my my wife got one. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Your wife? But that's these guys. They're all so old. But like I said, the other thing that stands out is like you you run through these wide receivers, these tight ends. And it's like, oh, right behind him is Ty Robinson, Chase Penry, yep, uh, even Jack Estera. Jalen Jackson's been around for a while. But some names that you Jalen know Jackson's been long for around for really a long has. while. He really has. But there are these people in there that you're just like, oh, you know, if you're a really good football player at this level. You spend three years playing college ball and you go to the NFL. You know, it feels like Ty Robinson and Chase Penry, they're really young players. It's their second year. And for a lot of guys, you play four. And for some guys, you only play three. So there really is a chance that these guys are ready to to take on a, a significant load. 
Same thing in the backfield, too. I mean, you mentioned Alex Fontenot, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deion Smith is also there, but Jay Lee Stacks is projected to uh, play a huge role in this offense. Mm-hmm. Um, the 5'11", 235-pound running back. Not just in the backfield by himself, too. You're going to see him back there with one of these guys, either Deion or Alex. Um, and you mentioned tight end before we started the show. I mean, that's another position that's very young behind Brady Russell. So while there are veterans that kind of lead the playmakers of this offense, behind them, there's going to be some youth um, and you know some growing pains probably from some of these guys behind them. Does mm-hmm. that say Caleb Fourier is a third-year freshman? Yep. <laughs> How does that work? <laughs> COVID year, redshirt year, freshman year. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's crazy. But I mean, sticking tight ends. You know, it was this battle. It was the first week of camp. Everybody was just talking about Eric Olson. Second week, it's all about Austin Smith, and there's Eric Olson there too. Meanwhile, Caleb Fourier was was hurt. He wasn't out there practicing. Now he's number two on the depth chart. So there's so much hype behind those other young tight ends. Who knows what this is going to look like, but there's there's at least exciting players there who could be ready to break out. And I love that Charlie Offerdahl got his way into the or category yep. at third running back. Like, I know. We, he's one of those guys where it's just like, oh, you talked about him. Like, you know, um, he made plays at the spring game last year. He made plays at the spring game this year. He made plays in the scrimmage. And you like to see the coaches reward a guy like that, but also believe like, oh, this guy can actually do it. You know, like I've seen a lot of these players who, when they get their opportunities in practice or at camp, um, never actually see the field. And you're like, wow, you know, there's a guy who um, named Josh Ford, who my guy Adam Munster Tiger used to always say like, dude, this guy is too good to be like the fifth running back on the roster. And he would randomly get a carry and go mm-hmm. for like 12 yards. And you're like, what the heck? How does this guy not play more? Uh, great dude as well, by the way. But, it feels like they actually plan on using him and and it's just surprising i guess it's a yep. bit surprising it was like a 511 185 pound white running back playing power five football like it's it's shocking and at the same time i'm excited to see if he can go out there and actually make plays he was quite involved in the scrimmage in the final scrimmage uh, two weeks ago so i would expect him while he's going to get work behind fontenot smith and stacks i think you're going to see plenty of charlie offered all this season Wow. I'm worried I'm going to get Mike penced by this fly. I know. <laughs> the, uh, the the other, my my last thought, at least offensively, obviously, Brendan Lewis, JT Shrout, they've yeah. got the ore in there. It, we all saw that one coming at this point. Anything new you've heard on that front? Um, Not much. Coach Durrell's been pretty adamant that they're both going to play. Um, He says they're happy with both. The team is happy with both. They all believe in them. So, uh We'll see how much that rings true come Friday and just down the line in this season, I guess. There's rumors on the message boards that there's um, some um, disconnect on the staff on who should be the starter. I have no idea if that's true. But that's oh, what, boy. That's what people are getting using to get themselves through this last week here. It's a little bit of drama. <laughs> um, I don't think that's the case. Mm-hmm. And I really, really think that is going to be JT Scrout as the main mm-hmm. stay quarterback. And Brendan Lewis, I think... Not just like a Brendan Lewis package. I think they're going to play him a decent amount, especially in the first four weeks. Um, and then I think he might pair it back to, but I really think both are going to play and play a significant role. Yeah. I mean, there's no telling exactly how it's going to look, but as I said, coach has been so adamant about both playing. I'd be surprised if it's really Brendan Lewis in just goal line and red yeah. zone situations. I think. I mean, I don't know, but I would imagine like a drive trade-off type deal, at least early on in the first half as you kind of try and find a rhythm. That's something that's absolutely in play. The more interesting part of the corner quarterback depth chart, though, Owen McCown or Drew Carter or Maddox Cobb. 
Owen McCown made his way into that group. Yes. Like, hopefully we don't see the number three quarterback. But, I mean, if this does turn out to be, what, the over-under set at three, say they win three games, there's a real chance that they're giving the number three quarterback a try. And if that's Owen McCown, that I would be very excited. He played a lot of reps in the scrimmage, that final scrimmage, as you said, though. We we hope we don't see him at all or very much at all this season. Unless yep. he use up by quite a bit. Yeah, I I mean I'd love to see him just Yeah. Because, you know, is we're uh, in a instant what's the word? Instant gratification yeah. society. And uh, I want that instant gratification of seeing if he's actually really good. How could you not you think Josh McCown's there this weekend? Yeah. Ooh, I oh, think so. Sure. He's gotta be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's a Friday night game and it's before like football season starts, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of people around. Yes, I agree. You know, your Philip Lindsay's or like yep. Lavisca maybe or um, some basketball, some players. Broncos. I think like, some basketball players. There you go. Yep, love it. All right, um, we're going to talk about DraftKings real quick. The wait is almost over, guys. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any college football game or on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion. Get up seven and you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet in any college football game. That's code DMVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Hank, do you have a pick of the week for the people? Just take buffs plus three eighty five. Is that is that's what it's down to now? I think that's I think that's what it is. Got up to plus four hundred yesterday. I, I should have pounced. I thought I could keep waiting. I'm I not thought I could care keep if waiting. But hits what what the value was. The minus thirteen and a half is significantly worse than minus fourteen. I'm still taking it. I was telling Jake yesterday that college football sharps all across the country are just begging for that to get to fourteen and a half somehow because it mm-hmm. opened up at six and a half. Yep. So you have a two touchdown. Um, window to win that to uh middle the bet you could take buffs True. plus 14 and a half and you could have had tcu minus six and a half and so people are just like sitting waiting wishing that that'll go up yeah uh also real quick talk about athletic greens our next partner is a product i use literally every day i started taking athletic greens because as the buffs beat reporter don't have as much time anymore uh, to just be healthy and also eating healthier has been an issue. Athletic Greens comes with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Uh, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com buffs. Again, that is athleticgreens.com buffs to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Love me some athletic greens. All right, guys. Um, let's play a couple games. All right. Take us through. Mm-hmm. All right. So this one's quite easy. Fill in the blank. It's going to be numbers, players, a variety of things. We're going to start off with this one, though. CU has the best chance of winning if blank is at QB. <laughs> JT. JT Shroud. JT. It's JT. Mostly just because there's a little bit more unknown there. Like, I don't know, just like decisiveness and 
crisp passing. Like I, I can yeah. at least live in a world where that's a possibility more so than, than with Brendan. Brendan Lewis would need to be a lot better for this team to be a lot better this year. And it's a lot easier to just say, yeah, JT Shrout might just be a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. On to TCU here. Quentin Johnson, number one, the stud at wide receiver for the Horned Frogs. He must be held below blank receiving yards for the Buffs to have a chance at winning. I'd say 120. Okay. <laughs> That's a big agrees. number. Keep him, I mean, under 100. <laughs> Double digits for sure. So Double you say if he sure. gets into 100, they have no shot at winning. I guess there's a shot. It's not a good shot. Um, 118. <laughs> <laughs> I think if he finishes with 119, that didn't break the game for them. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think 100 is a good number. I mean, obviously, this guy is just super dynamic with the ball in space, and he can go up and get the football over players. I mean, he's going to be just one to watch. Who's um, a comp for him, for you? I think he's got a little bit of uh, – I mean, this is a big comp, I guess. But uh, he's got some DeAndre Hopkins, I think, in his game. Sheesh. Just in the physicality um, and just relentlessness and toughness after the catch. So, okay. What about like a what you want here. guy who isn't a future Hall of Famer? <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh man, let's let's go with uh, James Jones of the Packers then. Okay, all right, that feels more palatable. James Jones would put up numbers on the CU defense. <laughs> I'll say that though. <laughs> so would every NFL receiver. That is true. Jalen Virgil would go off. Could you imagine? Possibly. All right, next one. The Colorado defense. This is a combined one. Okay, so sacks and turnovers. The Colorado defense must create blank sacks and turnovers to win. This is tough because they just... You don't get sacks against the Air Raid. Buffs didn't get sacks against anybody last year. But it's like, like, what, 13-14, worse than the Pac-12? It was, yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. My thing is, though, like, that whole entire offense is designed to not get sacked. Like, yeah. you don't have to wait for things to develop nearly as long as some other offenses. Um, but you do have to get turnovers. So I'm going to say... I'm only going to put them down for one sack. Uh, and I'm going to say they need... Two turnovers. That's what I had, too, a sack and two turnovers, so three. Three total, I agree. Um, turnovers, as you said, are going to be huge in this game on both sides. The Colorado offense must have blank total offensive yards to have a chance at winning. To have a chance? Total, I, what did they uh, average last year in total offensive yards per game? Sub 300. Um, they averaged <laughs> 239 yards passing a game, 197 okay. yards rushing. I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right either. They definitely weren't averaging. That was. The oh, I'm sorry. I'm on TCU. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they were averaging 197 rushing yards per game last year. Who was their running back? That can't be uh, right. That's what it said for TCU. I'm pulling up Colorado right now. Colorado last year. Like Air Force, like averages that. <laughs> Colorado averaged 131 yards passing last year. 126 yards on the ground. So 250. 250. I'm going to say they got to almost double that. 450 yards of offense is, is the uh, baseline. They won't give me 350. Now, you're asking a lot of the defense in that case. Yep. Yeah, you are. But the defense was so good last year. It's going to drop off because you lost so many pieces, but maybe it's just a small drop off. Maybe 350 can do it. Okay. All right. Um, I'm curious to know what they held Texas A&M to last year. It felt like zero. It was pretty – I mean, that game was just devoid of offense on both sides. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, for the Buffs to win, Blank needs to have a big game. Who are you looking at to have a big game this week? Uh, 
Fontenot, I feel like, is the easy route. I think there's a lot of different ways you could go, and honestly, defense might be a better path, but Alex Fontenot, you know, sure, they're going to split carries, all that stuff. I think he's going to have an opportunity to pick up 100 every game, and if he can just, if he goes and gets 120, I think that's on the table, and I think they can win. I'm going to say JCS, Josh Chandler's tomato. Let's go. Um, Again, they spread, if their goal, if they're going to go out there and just spread you out all day long and just dink and dunk, you have to have guys in the middle of the field making plays, <laughs> whether that's, you know, um, jumping out of a zone to break up a slant or whether that is going on like a little bubble screen and, you know, making sure it only goes for a short gain. Like you need those guys to go down there and make plays. Who was the, um, the guy who got drafted by the Eagles? Davion Taylor. Davion Taylor, yeah. Um, oh, he's released. Cut that today. sucks. Yep. Oh, the day after cut day? Yep. That's even worse. Um, you know, this is a he played a little bit of a different role, um, but that's a guy like who could really help you, you know, using your speed, getting sideline to sideline, but mostly just making sure you can not be super exposed in the middle of the field, and I think that's what he was brought here to do. I agree. I think he's a huge factor in this game, and I think he's going to be a name that Buffs fans become very familiar with over the season as soon as Friday night, honestly. I mean, I think this guy is going to be making double-digit tackles. Uh, I'd expect him to penetrate the backfield and get at least one or two tackles for losses also. How about Mike Sanford? Ooh, that's a big one, too. That's a good one. He's he's got to have – I mean, the crazy thing is the bar is so low for him. But he's got to have a good game. That's a Um, good thing for CU, though. It's like – Yes. You if he is bad, he will be a big upgrade. <laughs> I mean, yes, in this game though, I guess let me let me throw it back on you guys. The Buffs need to score X amount of points. That was the final for, one. For oh, no, I wasn't <laughs> going to say to win, but okay, let's do yours. All right, Buffs need to score X amount of points to win. How many? Ah. Uh, <laughs> I've got to say 30. The that over, was my number to be confident. The over-under is 55. I don't know if that helps you guys, but that's the there number you go. there. 30, 25, you want. Yep. Um, to have a chance, I think, if you get up into the 20s, there's a chance that the defense is that good. But to feel good about it, you got to get 30. Yeah, I mean, that, that like, you know, on our Broncos show, I always talk about 24 is the magic number in the NFL. Your offense needs to go into every game saying, we're going to score 24 or more. And your defense is going to every game saying, we're going to allow 24 or less. And each side should feel like they did enough to win if they keep them under that number. I think in college football, the number is 30. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with a little different approach. I think the Buffs need to score at least two touchdowns in the first half to have a chance at winning. I think that yeah. if they get two touchdowns in the first half, that obviously means the offense is rolling. Someone is playing well. Maybe it's JT. Maybe it's Alex. Um, but someone it, just having that offensive momentum early on, I think does a lot to build confidence, not only for the team and fans, but for this coaching staff too. So I think if you get two touchdowns in the first half, that's, that would be huge, not only for this game, but for the season. If okay. they start with a couple three and outs, there's going to be some PTSD so, in those stands. So that's what I was going to say is the buffs have to do X on offense to appease the fans. Be fun <laughs> is what I'll say. Okay. Be fun. You know, move players around, come out in different formations, just be a little unpredictable. You gotta, you still have to move the ball, though. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> um, I'm going to say score three touchdowns plus some. Um, so it's like if you score three touchdowns, two field goals, they walk away with 27 points in this game, 
and they lose 30 to 27, people aren't going to be saying like the offense is an absolute joke. This is we're right back where we started. Like there might be some people like that, but at least people will feel like, okay, there's competency back on the offensive side of the ball to truly appease the fans. It's got to be a win, and offensively, it's got to be like 35 points. Otherwise, everybody's going to be like, ah, you know, yeah, it was a good start, but we know maybe they'll win four games now. You know, To really appease mm. them, you need to put up those numbers. I guess when I say appease, I'm thinking like not have people just like – you said PTSD, like yep. booing, going on the message boards yep. after, fire everyone, like that sort of thing. That's probably like about what you're saying, 24-ish. Yeah. 24 and up, you're feeling good. I mean, not feeling good. You're a piece. You're you're not. At, you at least feel like there's something to build on. All right. Uh, That's it. I mean, yeah. I think <laughs> it's funny because expectations have never been so low. Yeah. Um. Like truly, I don't think they've ever been this low. Um. That being said, like, we just don't know what it's gonna look like. We yep. have no idea what it's gonna look like. Not a single clue. Mm-hmm. But let's try and look into our crystal ball here. We'll wrap up this segment with this. College game day, of course, is on Saturday morning. What is going to be the headline for the offense and the defense from this game on CU? This oh, is I one of the two biggest on Friday. Two. I can't, like, biggest games. Michigan State plays right before. Yep, I think that's the other one. You've got that right before. You've but got they're this playing one. Western Michigan. Mm-hmm. So this is like a two power five. This is the game. Friday night game. Yep. I did just realize what could happen that night that the casual college football fan or even a CU fan could sit down and watch Mel Tucker and then flip around and there's a, well, we're not, no dark thoughts today. (laughs) Um, yeah, uh, I think the headline, well, I hope they're in, they're mentioned by college game day. Um, that would be a dub. (laughs) Um, (sighs) CU buffs offense shrouds a new flower. (laughs) I love it. Wow. <laughs> that is good. It's not oh, good wow. at all. Well, I mean, I didn't realize there was That's like tons in there. Yeah. That's a headliner there. Need for Sneed. There oh, you go. That's see, so we're easy. Back. That's so easy. That's um, way better than mine. What about defensively? Wow. Josh Chandler Tomato really doesn't fit smoothly into anything. It's it's a tough it's a one. Lot of I've syllables. Had a lot of battles with that <laughs> Font- name. Fontenot Bowl. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, on defense. Um Ooh. Dug in his grave. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That'd be really dark for college game day. Um how about um reading the quarterback? Nico Reed. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. yeah. Some interceptions. There we go. All right. Well done, guys. <laughs> um to wrap up that segment, football season is back at Mile High is ready to see what this new Look, Broncos team has in store. You know Breck Brew has you covered with the hometown craft beer of the Denver Broncos. Broncos Country Pale Ale. Show off that Colorado or colorful Colorado legacy with the Orange Crush logo and 100% Colorado ingredients. This will be your go-to for football season. Check out the beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a Broncos Country Pale Ale near you. Alrighty, guys. To wrap this up, I've picked out a few lines, Pac-12 lines, for the first full weekend of college football in 2022. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for Pac-12 football. You know, it's it's a, it's like seeing a, like an extinct animal or something. <laughs> or a, a endangered species. <laughs> but at yeah. the same time, um, I always, like, I'll always just prefer to watch a Pac-12 game over a game that 
totally doesn't relate to CU. Like, yeah. Like, at least I can look at these teams and be like, oh, that team sucks. We could beat them. Or, mm-hmm. okay, that team's really good. We might be in trouble. It does have that feeling, though, where it's like, I don't even, it's like, wow, look at this massive herd of elk. Like, I guess that happens more in Montana. Like, you come over a ridge and you're like, wow, there's like hundreds of elk here. People aren't going to be seeing that in a, in a decade or three. It's like if people knew that the CD was coming and they could, like, cherish their last days using yeah. vinyl records. <laughs> exactly. <There you> go. <laughs> yeah. Like, All right, let's start off with the headliner then. Um, number 11, Oregon, is traveling to Atlanta to play Georgia in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. So this is technically a neutral neutral site game. Oregon is a 17-point dog to the Bulldogs of Georgia. Who do you got? The under. Um, I really like mm. the under. I think it's at like 50-ish. It is set at 52 and a half. Okay. Uh, I like the under in that game. I think that's going to be the big issue um, for both sides is, is generating offense. Um, but if I had to pick a side on that line, I think I'd pick Georgia. I, I go Oregon. Georgia's lost so much. Daniel Jeremiah made a great point today saying, like, if you got – if, like, Oregon and Georgia walked off the bus right next to each other – there would be no difference. Like you wouldn't look mm, at one and say point. like, ah, oh, they're the, the good SEC ones. Team, yeah. And that's why like with so much turnover, I'll take I mean, 17 points is a lot. It is. Um, I am team fade Bo Nix. So I'm taking Georgia in the 17. <laughs> that's what I said. I'm like, Bo Nix might be able to carve up Pac-12 offenses or Pac-12 defenses, but he's just going right back to where he couldn't cut exactly. it, which is in this SEC. True. All right. Um, this one, it's a huge line, but it's USC, so I think everyone is going to take great interest in that. Rice heading to the Coliseum, plus 32.5 against the Trojans. Wow, Rice on Rice crime. <laughs> oh. Well, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, yes. Uh, what's, the num- what's the number again? 32.5 over under of 61.5. Doesn't USC always struggle in the beginning of the year? I'm going to take the – I'm going to give me the points. I also just love owls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh <laughs> I'll take USC. Like I, I think that there will be like some growing pains. They're not going to the college football playoff. No. But I mean Jordan Addison, all those guys with Caleb Williams. I mean that's that's gonna be a bloodbath. They're gonna have like maybe four scoring drives, four touchdown drives. They're five plays or less. I'm nervous with how many favorites I like this weekend. But I mean favorites you- dominated last weekend. Well, mm-hmm. then I guess I'm on the right track. Then <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna take USC. I guess not against the spread as much. Oh, you mean just outright underdogs? Well, because I took all the underdogs parlay oh, together right. in a round robin, yeah. and only one of them won. We could yeah. tell by your tone that yeah. things didn't go well. <laughs> um, next one, we have Hank. You've talked about this one. We got number seven Utah heading into the swamp to play the Florida Gators. The Utes are three point favorites. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I, I it always shocks me how good Utah is, but they just keep doing it. So uh, and they keep getting better too. Yeah, they just keep like the. They're one of the best teams in the country, just like straight yeah. up. You know, huge credit to their coaching staff because I think that's really where it comes from mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously that helps with the recruiting as you go on. But give me the Utes. Yeah. It'll be a fun one to watch. Oh, that yeah. quarterback for Anthony Richardson? Uh, yes. Anthony Richardson is his name. It's college football season. I got to get that back. He's like the next Cam Newton at Florida. He's oh. cool. Yeah, big words. But So they're going to not play him and he's going to transfer? And he's going to steal a laptop, right? Actually, yeah, maybe it is that. But yeah, I mean, Utah, we were talking about the draft podcast. Like, I was struggling with this one, and I was like, I just don't know if that front seven can stop that running game. I was like, wait, if that's the concern I'm having with Utah, 
the, that's not a concern. Like Utah is yeah. going to be just fine. Yep. I'm going to take uh, Utah, the favorite, minus three. Also, this one, a little interesting out of conference. Boise State at Oregon State. The Beavers are favored by three also. Who do you got? I'm picking off of name here, but I'm going to take Boise. Yeah. I mean, Oregon State is trending up. I think I'm going to go with them since they're at home. Two and a half points, though. Like, uh, I don't know. Is, is This could be a close one. Sam Neuer still there? He must be done. <laughs> uh, I feel like Oregon State's like notorious for losing to a worse That's team true. in the Pacific Northwest. As is the Pac-12 as a whole. Yeah. Like yeah. this. This is like a who's week Eastern where... Washington victimizing this week? Um, someone, I'm sure. <laughs> I've seen it. Rebuilding year for Eastern Washington. Should oh, be really? Yeah. You are the big sky expert. I have. I know so much right now. They've got Tennessee State. Oh, that's mm. a dub. <laughs> Easy money on the on the red turf. Uh, yes. Oh, love that. Alrighty, guys, it's time. CU has moved to 13 and a half underdogs against TCU. As Ryan mentioned, they were 14 points yesterday. The money line is was plus 400 last I looked. We haven't seen too much movement on that one. Who do you got? Buffs in four, as in four quarters. They win the game. <laughs> wow. 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 This is going to go overtime. Um, I hadn't thought critically about this game until today because I just knew, like, yeah, I'm going to put money on the buffs. I'm going to the game. It's going to be fun. And now it's time to be like, huh. Will they, will they actually be within two touchdowns? And I think they will be. Two oh. touchdowns? They should, they should be. What What are you thinking as like a score? Wow! Give me. I gotta take the TCU win. Give me. Thirty-one twenty-four. Okay. Thirty-one twenty is tempting too. Yeah. I think anything in that in that world I would walk out of the stadium feeling okay. Big smile on your face? Not a big smile on my okay. face, but like, okay, all right, we can we got something to build on here. Mm-hmm. Um that's really what I'm looking for, but I don't know. I, I feel like with no expectations at all, also pairing that with a great crowd. There's like something weird about yeah. normally teams that that no one expects anything of, also no one goes to watch. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be at the very least, like 45,000 people in that stadium. And I think it'll just end up looking at least like a sellout. And it's under the lights, Friday night. Like, all of that stuff is a lot in college football. And mm-hmm. I think when you combine that with a team that's still getting their feet under them and a new offense, new system, it's going to be more difficult to communicate with the coaches and stuff, especially, you know, from a play-to-play basis. I think there's a lot of things in the Buffs' favor if they're at all respectable. They have a great chance of winning this game. I really believe that. I just, from watching TCU last year, I just don't think this team should honestly be a two-touchdown favorite over much anyone besides maybe Kansas. Mm -hmm. Um, The quarterback situation has me a little iffy on both sides. But if Duggan plays for TCU, I think Colorado really has a chance to get after him, force him into some errant throws. It's just a matter of if some of those throws find their way to Quentin Johnston or not. Uh, So I'll take the buffs plus 13.5 also. I think that, um, I mean, fans should be expecting something pretty exciting from the Colorado offense. Is this going to be your first game in Folsom? First game in Folsom. Oh, wow. That's dope. Mm-hmm. That, that's a great it one is. to start on. Like, under the lights, Friday night, all season opener. Yeah. Where was your first? Yours was in Nebraska. It was Nebraska. Oh, oh wow. we, this good is good one. vibes. This is good yeah, vibes. That Last is time true. we put a debut, a new, um, a new DNVR Buffs guy in the stadium, we had a big win. That's overtime, right? 
overtime, missed That's the field bad goal. News. That is bad news. <laughs> I did say buffs in four. I'll take the dub in overtime if, okay. if need be. <laughs> All right. Who's, yeah. Wait, who's player of the game? Ooh. If they win, who's player of the game? We kind of talked about this a little bit, but... Give me JT Shroud. Yeah, I think I think that's what it has to be. I'll take Fontenot. Okay. I think right. I mean Fontenot's put up big numbers before. It's just been a while. Give mm-hmm. me JT Shroud with a nod to RJ Sneed. There you go. The initials. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, I think that wraps it up for us. Uh when is the next pod, Jake? Um, well, Friday's a game, so we're not gonna have a Friday pod. We will have a post game show that should be up sometime early afternoonish on Saturday. So that's gonna be the next show, mm-hmm. and then back to three shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday next week. Awesome! Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Let's go Buffs.